1: Hello and welcome to episode 110 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris and this is Paris.
0: Hello, Jesus Christ. Has it really been 109 episodes before? Jesus Christ. Sorry. That it's been number...
1: 110. This is number 110.
0: Yeah, there have been 109 before today. As my point.
1: And now there is being 110. Yeah, yes. This time. <laughs> this time <laughs> we read the 1776 commission report by... 24 people and assorted aides (laughs) appointed by the Trump administration. There's a whole bunch of people at the end here, but I'm going to read
0: it. I'm going to read all their names. I'm going to do
1: it like, like right now or. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, it was rushed to the Internet. In the waning days of the Trump administration, in an effort by the right wing conservative administration to push back against liberal left wing criticism of how American history has traditionally been told in particularly uh, by the 16 and 19 project, a series of articles and podcasts and other media that was um, done by the New York Times, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes, correct. And like people associated in writing for them, you Mm -hmm. could say. And you could tell it's kind of a petty, passive-aggressive thing because you know it was called the 1619 project, so they used yeah we were the 1776 commission. It's just it's it's like you know when Sub 41 came out after Blink 82 and you're like you guys, guys, we know what you're doing. Like you, you just you just thought word and number was how you did. No, it's get your own thing.
0: Oh well, the 1776 commission report was created by Larry P Arn. That's two N's on Arn. Carol Swain, Matthew Spaulding, Phil Bryant, Jerry Davis, Michael Ferris, Gay Heart Gaines. Wow, sorry, I haven't I haven't actually read the list before. Gay Space Heart, H-A-R-T, Gay Heart Gaines, John Gibbs, Mike Gonzalez, Victor Davis Hansen, Charles Kessler, Peter Kersenow, Thomas Lindsay, Bob McEwen, Ted Ryan, Julie Strauss, Ex officio members include Michael Pompeo, former Secretary of State, Christopher C. Miller, uh, former Acting Secretary of Defense, I think, David L. Bernhardt, former Secretary of the Interior, Ben Carson, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Mitchell M. Zay- Zayas, Dr. Zayas, uh, Acting <laughs> Secretary of Education. There I also go, bye. <laughs> Dr. Zayas. Uh, I also think that this person is a former uh, Acting Secretary of Education. Brooke Rollins, assistant to the president for domestic policy, probably also no longer employed, I'm not sure. Doug Holscher, assistant to the president of for uh, intergovernmental affairs. And then uh, Adam Hunnysett, designated federal officer. And then just a list of people who helped prepare it, including William Bach, Alexandra Campana, Ariel Campana. Ariella Campana? Alright, not sure... Did they just get like a pair of twins to help with editing it's kind of weird uh Joshua Charles Brian Morgenstern Macy Mount Mackenzie Snow and Alec Torres it took all these people
1: yeah all Paris, these people he, now you lis- listeners here might say like wow that's a lot of people that they probably got a lot of ground covered they it was probably a large report with a lot of things to say no this is like a 30 page term paper that you throw in at the end of a college course that you were kind of trying to pass so your gpa didn't completely tank so you had to turn in something tomorrow
0: (laughs) well before we get too far let's let's tell people what we do and give some warnings for today um i would say content warnings up first um Warnings for today include American politics and racism, so if you don't want to engage with political stuff right now, maybe listen to this episode another time, or also never. Never is fine. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about conservative versus liberal American interpretation of U.S. history. Uh, so, of course, it's going to be a lot about race relations, um, white supremacy, etc. So if those things are not your jam today, please find something else to listen to. Uh, on this show, what we normally do is we choose a book or a report or a play, some kind of written ephemera <laughs> uh, that we think the will scrawlings
1: be bad. on a bathroom wall. <laughs> yeah. In a I, gas station bus stop.
0: That's going to be like episode 685 when we've just like <laughs> run out of ideas. Um, uh, so anyway, we choose uh, something that we think Your we'll uncle's
1: book- Facebook post is coming <laughs> soon to I, Terrible Book Club.
0: <laughs> um. I mean, honestly, we'd read that. I mean, we read uh, Woman Worship, which might have actually been a series of tweets disguised as poetry. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Anyhow, we find something that we think is going to be bad, and we make this initial judgment based on its title, summary, cover, or a combination of those things. Sometimes we read things that friends, listeners, or patrons recommend. Uh, so typically we do the opposite of what review shows, um, and what most book readers do. We choose things we think we're not going to like, and then we read them and we discuss whether our premise was correct. So we talk about whether the thing was actually as bad as we thought and how or why it was that way. And, uh, a lot of the time this results in a disappointing read. That's also hilarious. Um, (laughs) although once in a while we do end up liking the thing that we thought we'd hate. So it's always kind of an interesting experiment each time. Uh, we decided to read this just because I remember it was published on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. You know, Trump was ha- like, I think his last day in office was what, five days away or something. And uh, I just remember it being kind of the like death fart of this mm-hmm. like administration and seeing all these um rebuttals against it and i was like god damn what is in that report that's like inspiring so much vitriol and and pushback from scholars and historians i was just really surprised um at all of the claims folks were making about how bad it was so i was like i was like look chris it's 40 pages we can slot this in when we don't have time for something else and so here we are <laughs> months later uh we have read always this. late
1: to the party fashionably late Paris. Well, and,
0: yeah and i i also think it's important to read things that you don't agree with <laughs> um and I, or you know it's important not to just take um kind of criticism at face value uh and not actually read the thing someone's criticizing yourself uh, of course you know if something was like a massive work it would be pretty impossible but this is this isn't even 40 full pages i think think uh some Do you of his-
1: appendices as yeah it's you know got, it's- the full p- part of the thing
0: yeah so it's actually 20 pages that's about US history and then the other 20 pages are um, appendices and like discussion questions and and things of that nature um so 20 pages all of US history go uh all right
1: this, uh, uh, okay, uh, a bunch <laughs> of people came over. There were already people here, um, and then there was a bunch of fights with people that were still here and people that were still at the other place. And uh, da, da 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 da, some forts came down, <laughs> and uh, tea in the harbor. Um, oh wow, you skipped over a lot. Tri-corner hats. There. Oh,
0: no. uh, oh god And
1: then um, they kept going west. And they, one guy uh, bought a bunch of land for, like, I don't know, $400 or something. Didn't that happen? That, Are you talking a about thing. the
0: Louisiana Purchase?
1: Something like that. Yeah, right? Yes. Like, um, <laughs> anyway, and then um, uh, there was a war again. Then there was a war again. Then there was another war again. And then, um, uh, I don't know, New York, New York, what a, what a town. And <laughs> then. Wow. Um, okay what else uh civil rights that's it that's civil it rights yeah movement? no in there. we can't talk about that that this report says that we shouldn't really worry about it. it's fine now everything is fine
0: all oh, right don't Ra- worry about, racism about it. racism was over in 1965 thanks um yes that's anyway uh so <laughs> how
1: dare you bring up something not nice that happened paris oh
0: yeah that we'll, was we'll th- th- I, that.
1: I was trying to, to that. do only the nice parts that's what they want me to do <laughs>
0: All right, so since this is a federally commissioned report, it doesn't really have a summary or a back-of-the-book thing I can read. So instead, I'm going to read you uh, a portion of the executive order that established the commission in the report from November 2nd of 2020. You may think, wow, November 2nd, 2020, that sure is only two and a half months before this was released, and you are correct. <laughs> um, all right, so this was the intent of the project as... Uh, explained by Donald J. Trump. The American founding envisioned a political order in harmony with the design of the laws of nature and of nature's God, seeing the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as embodied in and sanctioned by natural law and its traditions. The formation of a republic around these principles marked a clear departure from previous forms of government, securing rights through a form of government that derives its legitimate power from the consent of the governed. Throughout its national life, a republic's exploration of the full meaning of these principles has led it through the ratification of a constitution, civil war, the abolition of slavery, reconstruction, and a series of domestic crises and world conflicts. Those events establish a clear historical record of an exceptional nation dedicated to the ideas and ideals of its founding. Against this history, in recent years, storm clouds forming behind me, a series of polemics grounded in poor scholarship has vilified our founders and our founding. Despite the virtues and accomplishments of this nation, many students are now taught in school to hate their own country and to believe that the men and women who built it were not heroes, but rather villains. This radicalized view of American history lacks perspective, obscures virtues, twists motives, ignores or distorts facts, and magnifies flaws, resulting in the truth being concealed and history disfigured. Failing to identify, challenge, and correct this distorted perspective could fray and ultimately erase the bonds that knit our country and culture together. The recent attacks on our founding have highlighted America's history related to race. These one-sided and divisive accounts too often ignore or fail to properly honor and recollect the great legacy of the American national experience. Our country's valiant and successful effort to shake off the curse of slavery and to use the lessons of that struggle to guide our work toward equal rights for all citizens in the present. Viewing America as an irredeemably and systemically racist country cannot account for the extraordinary role of the great heroes of the American movement against slavery and for civil rights. A great moral endeavor that, from Abraham Lincoln to Martin Luther King Jr., was marked by religious fellowship, goodwill, generosity of heart, an emphasis on our shared principles, and an inclusive vision for the future. As these heroes demonstrated, the path to a renewed and confident national unity is through a rediscovery of a shared identity rooted in our founding principles. A loss of national confidence in these principles would place rising generations in jeopardy of a crippling self-doubt that could cause them to abandon faith in the common story that binds us to one another across our differences. Without our common faith in the equal right of every individual American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, authoritarian visions of government and society could become increasingly alluring alternatives to self-government based on the consent of the people. Thus, it is necessary to provide America's young people access to what is genuinely inspiring and unifying in our history, as well as to the lessons imparted by the American experience of overcoming great national challenges. This is what makes possible the informed and honest patriotism that is essential for a successful republic. A restoration of American education grounded in the principles of our founding that is accurate, honest, unifying, inspiring, and ennobling and must ultimately <laughs> succeed at the local level. Parents and local school boards must be empowered to achieve greater choice and variety in curriculum at the state and local levels. The role of the federal government is to protect and preserve... You can't see Chris looking at me like an abused puppy. um, ...and preserve state and local control over the curriculum, program of instruction, administration, and personnel of educational institutions, schools, and school systems. Indeed, that is why my administration rejects the common core curriculum and all efforts to have the federal government impose a national curriculum or national standards in education. Vigorous participation in local government has always been America's laboratory of liberty and a key to what makes us exceptional. The best way to preserve the story of America's founding principles is to live it in action by local communities reasserting control of how children receive patriotic education in their schools.
1: Wait, the reason I had that look on my face is because he's saying, oh, Americans should have choice in how they are educated, but don't educate them like this.
0: Yeah, they should have choice, but only the choices that. Donald J. Trump wants them to have,
1: Or that Why does this veer off into like, also fuck Common Core at the end? <laughs> <Like>. <laughs>
0: uh, I don't know. I know a lot of people on, you know, a various political persuasions who don't like Common Core, but uh they just don't like the idea that um well, traditionally in America the federal government does not regulate education. That's part of states' rights. But of course the federal government provides funding for state education, so like it does influence it. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Anyway, that's the best I could find for a summary for this thing. Our characters and setting, the United States of America. Us now. <laughs>
1: Me, you and everyone else. Also <laughs> everyone <laughs>
0: Also everyone who has ever lived in the area that is now the United States since around the year of 1600. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to talk about all those, but this report doesn't really no. mention everyone that was involved.
0: <laughs> sure doesn't. All right, so uh, this is, this is. look, I- I'm just going to start this off with a disclaimer that, hi, hello, we are not historians. We're not U.S. historians. We have done the best we can. Uh, you know, we have taken... Uh,
1: Neither were they, though. No, they weren't either. Yeah, so I feel like this is equal yeah, footage, yeah. to be honest. <laughs>
0: I mean, we weren't commissioned by the government. We were commissioned by Tereblo. I don't know. Terriblo is pretty powerful. Though. He's probably powerful. More, more powerful. <laughs> What's I'm trying to say there? There
1: he is. He's uh, kind of trying to talk through you.
0: Terriblo Speaking
1: in tongues.
0: Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Tereblo, probably more powerful than most federal governments. Anyhow.
1: You heard it here first.
0: We're not, hist- we're not historians. We're not U.S. historians. Um, that being said, <laughs> we read this report. We are. We have also both been raised in America as American citizens. Although uh, full disclaimer: Chris is Chris is, has a divide, divided uh, loyalties.
1: That's true. I am a dual citizen. Yeah. Um, I'm also a citizen of Poland. Yes. So you know, I, I have some mild kielbasa loyalty. <laughs> that you know. It might pop up here and there, just for, you know, if if you really need to know exactly, you know, every possible elite. Full disclosure.
0: Full disclosure. I,
1: I'm Slav.
0: <laughs> uh. Anyhow, my my I point. The, I got
1: the sauerkraut <laughs> ready to go at any moment.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, my my point is just that this isn't going to be a a perfect critique from the point of historians. We did the best we could to read. Uh, this, you know, engage with the 1619 project and read criticisms of both things. So it's kind of a lot. Uh, we're not going to be able to cover everything. We're just going to cover things that were really notable for us uh, in, in these readings. So <clears throat> uh, things that were good. I, you know, this doesn't ever, this doesn't really happen a lot, but I literally cannot think of anything.
1: Oh, <laughs> there good any about this. misspellings?
0: You know what? You're right. I don't think there were any typographical errors like spelling or syntax. That's true.
1: The I mean it was readable. The, uh, the graphic layout no, was No
0: no. I'm gonna I'm gonna veto that. I actually have an initial complaint about the layout and how it was kind of not very readable. But you're right. There were no noticeable misspellings or syntax errors. You know, the sentences they functioned as English sentences. I mean, some of them, I definitely <laughs> have issue with the, the, content. Sure, the content.
1: The content um, is a whole other thing. I mean, this to me, this whole thing kind of reads like someone trying to do, you know, wave a shiny patriotic object mm-hmm. in front of you by saying like, well, the, uh, just be, it starts with. The first line of this thing is, we. there are truths that are self-evident, like they're just bringing up that first line of the Declaration of Independence as if, I think it really is just some sort of weird Jedi mind trick to go like, well, it's using the same words as the Declaration of Independence, well, which is well, a good thing, well, therefore this is a good thing.
0: Right, their entire idea here is that if they get people to um, agree to how great the Declaration and the Constitution are that will unify Americans. So that's why they constantly use pull quotes from those documents and use phrases that mirror them, uh, because that's the whole idea, the whole construct of this. Anyhow. Yeah. I mean, other than it being technically edited, I, I don't. Yeah. I just don't have anything great to say.
1: I think there's one accuracy in it in that that there is a fundamental philosophical beginning point different beginning point for people that let's say agree with this report and people that might disagree with it there's one thing running through here through a lot of the report that's basically there are certain laws of nature that no government can change like there are fundamental truths about things about how society should be run and what makes a good society that are inalienable and cannot be changed and the the idea of trying to alter or change them over time is bad. And there's some merit to that in some senses, but it basically also casts aside the idea that if you're trying to change the system you live in, that this is bad, but also it's good, but also it's bad. So I don't know what it's trying to say sometimes, because it'll be like, you should, you should take an objective look at the faults and failures of the society you live in, but don't say shit bad about America. <laughs> we got over all those problems. So don't say nothing else.
0: I am going to disagree with you about there being some kind of eternal truths. I mean, I think that that's going to be different for each group of people, right? So I don't know that I would... I-
1: I, i'm yeah. mostly on that side too what i'm saying is yeah. like maybe perhaps the one fundamental truth is that thing in the constitution where hey everyone should be allowed to life liberty in the pursuit of happiness. yes of course sure. we all agree with that idea that's but that's like its whole point is like you should just focus on that and don't worry about anything else
0: yeah the document definitely spends time on saying but they wrote that thing therefore it's true and it's like well
1: they can't I, be th- hypocrites for being slave owners <laughs>
0: yeah it's very uh it it because throughout the entire document, it's very much based. Uh, they they want you to base your um, opinion of America and history and America itself on what is written in its texts, and and not necessarily how those things were carried out or not carried out. And it's very strange because, of course, you should always judge things on on actions, right? Not on <laughs> not on words, because people can say whatever the fuck they want and then do the total opposite. Uh, So it is kind of odd that they just like Chris is saying, you know, they just don't want to don't want to engage with anything that is sort of negative. Uh, But I'm just going to try to go back to my notes here and talk about um, the structure and why I actually thought it was difficult to read. Um, So there were some parts where uh, it would say, "Okay, here's this quote from X person. But then there would be a giant quote in the way from someone else before the actual quote they were talking about. So you had to like leap over this enormous quote to get to the actual quote they <laughs> mentioned. And I was like, "Why would you format this this way? It's needlessly confusing." I have to get and on it,
1: my quote jumping shoes over here. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: and you know the whole thing is set up. All the images and quotes are all of figures from. U.S. history that have always been traditionally talked about. It's like Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. You know, it's just, and it's kind of, they trot out kind of the same old tired stuff that people have always been, at least much of American youth has been taught, I would say. Um, And yeah, so it it just comes off as kind of like lame and cheesy, you know? I mean, in this day and age, it's, it's kind of silly. Um, and speaking of these quotes and kind of like these sort of traditional ideas, they um, they really love to use quotes out of context to to really twist the meaning. And I have two examples that I would like to talk about. So there's a moment where they use the famous ringbolt uh, quote from uh, Frederick Douglass's "What for the Slave is the Fourth of July" speech which is an incredible speech. You should read it if you never have or listen to uh, uh, a reading of it. And the the way that they use this quote is just a bald-faced deception. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and read the quote in context so you can appreciate how twisted its usage is in the report. So this was on July 5th, 1852, uh, and Frederick Douglass delivered this address to the ladies of the Rochester Anti-Slavery Sewing Society. Um... And it kind of it starts in sort of a weird a way. sewing society? Yeah, I, I was surprised by that, too. i thought I'm trying
1: to make a shirt. And this dude's in here is laying down shoes. <laughs>
0: um, I gotta go to more stitching, bitches. Yeah. Hey, man, that's how shit happens. People get together in clubs. Um, All right. <clears throat> the idea of a total separation of the colonies was born on the 2nd of July, 1776, The old Continental Congress, to the dismay of the lovers of ease and the worshippers of property, clothed that dreadful idea with all the authority of national sanction. They did so in the form of a resolution. And as we seldom hit upon resolutions, drawn up in our day whose transparency is at all equal to this, it may refresh your minds and help my story if I read it. And this is a quote. Resolved that these united colonies are, and of right, ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British Crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be dissolved. Citizens, your fathers made good that resolution. They succeeded, and today you reap the fruits of their success. The freedom gained is yours, and you, therefore, may properly celebrate this anniversary. The 4th of July is the first great fact in your nation's history, the very ring bolt in the chain of your yet undeveloped destiny. Pride and patriotism, not less than gratitude, prompt you to celebrate and to hold it in perpetual remembrance. I have said that the Declaration of Independence is the ring bolt to the chain of your nation's destiny. So indeed I regard it. The principles contained in that instrument are saving principles. Stand by those principles, be true to them on all occasions, in all places, against all foes, and at whatever cost. I am not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought forth life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. To drag a man in fetters into the grand illuminated temple of liberty and call upon him to join you in joyous anthems were inhuman mockery and sacrilegious irony. Do you mean, citizens, to mock me by asking me to speak today? What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him, more than all other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham. Your boasted liberty, an unholy license. Your national greatness, swelling vanity. Your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless. Your denunciations of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence. Your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery. Your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings, with all your religious parade and solemnity, are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy. A thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a nation on the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of these United States at this very hour.
1: Fred, uh, that's all cool and everything, but this is a sewing club,
0: Fred, <laughs> <laughs> It's an anti-slavery <laughs> sewing club. But anyway, uh
1: I just imagined the way the lady is going be like, "We were making sure sh- Okay, all right, well, yeah, I mean you're right, but
0: Anyway, so I know that was long, but I just really wanted to hammer the point home that in the report, uh let me just What's the quote
1: they use, Paris? They
0: they they just use uh the quote that they have is The Declaration of Independence is the ring bolt to the chain of your nation's destiny. So, indeed, I regard it. The principles contained in that instrument are saving principles. Stand by those principles. Be true to them on all occasions, in all places, against all foes, and at whatever cost. Frederick Douglass.
1: So, like... Lost a little bit of (laughs)
0: confidence. I don't know if that was what he was really (laughs) saying that whole time. Yeah, no (laughs) shit. Um... Yeah, uh, I feel it, like they it,
1: just <laughs> saw that they googled like good Frederick Douglass quotes, <laughs> I, and they yeah. they didn't so, even know that it was part of that.
0: Yeah, so so my point in wasting—I mean, it wasn't a waste of time. My point in spending all that time on top,
1: top ten Fred Doug quotes.
0: <laughs> my point in spending all that time in reading. That original section was to really make it obvious how twisted that use of the quote is. And by the way, that's one of those like giant, big ass quotes that you gotta like leap over to actually read the text. (laughs) Um, And then the second one is um, they take this quote from Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, famous "I Have a Dream" speech. So they once again, one of those big ass quotes you gotta like fucking jump over vault use a vault my plus two
1: quote vaulting (laughs) shoes will help in this
0: uh so this is the martin luther king jr quote from the i have a dream speech uh they used this when the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the constitution and the declaration of independence they were signing a promissory note to which every american was to fall heir this note was a promise that all men Yes, black men as well as white men would be guaranteed the unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, the fun thing about that quote is that if you just read the next line, it's this It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned.
1: So, <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> I mean, they- really just like, best Martin <laughs> Luther. <laughs> <King quote. laughs> "So again,
0: like when you take these quotes out of context and try to say see Martin Luther King Jr thought that racism was over because the declaration totally included black people without including the sentence immediately after where he says y'all still not including us. It's 1963. <laughs> like like I mean it's just you're not you're not using that primary source accurately." uh and and this happens you know more than just those two times um you know and they don't of- even
1: tell you like i mean they say it's from the i have a dream speech but there's no citation or oh, yeah. anything of the sort <laughs> yes in this anywhere ah, so ah. if you want to go check up on something fucking you know you're on your own for the most part
0: yeah uh, i mean my favorite one of my favorite parts of of this is um the lack of citations so There are zero citations or a bibliography in this report, which is incredible. You already
1: failed the, like, the History 101 course that you could have maybe turned this into.
0: Like, I, I, it's one, it's one thing if you're just, like, some ranting blog asshole. I mean, I would still want citations, but when you're like, hey, we're the federal government and this is going to be, like, a definitive official accounting of U.S. history, and you're like, I'm, I'm not going
1: to, I'm not going In your imitation, the federal government is like a valley girl. <laughs> like, hey, like, we're just going to write down everything about America in this one report. And then everyone can just click over here and you'll know right away mm-hmm. what's going on. It's fine.
0: Yeah. And and it's, it's like especially odd uh, because sometimes they just say like, Ah, a famous whatever once said and you're like who who is that famous person (laughs) who the fuck are you talking about now i gotta fucking open another tab and google this goddamn quote because you couldn't be bothered to just write someone's name and put a footnote there so it's it's pretty strange for a historical account to not include any references or citations especially to primary sources um I mean, an integral tenet of history and in the study of history is gathering, reading, and citing primary sources in your works.
1: <laughs> Holy Which shit. Which this report in the uh, appendix section about education demands you do. Does it? <laughs> yes. it's In the education <laughs> section, it's like all classrooms must use primary sources primarily or only. Oh, it says that in the education (laughs) part.
0: Sorry, I must have just blacked out because there were parts of this that I was like, I can't handle this right now. I got to walk away.
1: Yes, there's a bunch of paragraphs in like the I think it was like Appendix C or something about how we should be educating our children about American history. It says use primary sources only. Which this one basically doesn't do. It just pulls a couple of good sounding quotes from them and doesn't give you any context. And on top of that, just like one little extra point here, I think the reason that they're saying use primary sources only is basically them trying to sidestep any critique of primary sources by academic sources. Correct. They're basically saying don't read anything of an academic (laughs) nature about these primary sources. And I do agree. Yes, go to the primary sources and read them as you are also reading the critical yeah, yeah, of course. material as well.
0: I'm, I'm just saying that generally the practice of history is like, you know, amassing a bunch of primary sources, reading them and critiquing them and then also reading the critiques from other people. And I would like to just just plug um, a professor of mine from college, uh, Josh Reed. Um, he's a well-regarded Snohomish um, U.S. historian. Um, he published a book a few years ago that you should pick up if you're curious about either like maritime stuff or indigenous history in the Pacific Northwest. Um, it's called the sea is my country, the maritime world of the macaws. So anyway, thanks professor Josh Reed for being an awesome U S history professor when I was in college and teaching me the importance of primary sources. Uh, anyway, yeah, sorry. just wanted to plug that. Um, yeah, so it is very strange. And it's it's especially strange because this particular work, uh, this report, it makes some pretty wild claims at times that, you know, if, if for example, um, a, a liberal outlet made, I'm sure that they would be rallying for some kind of citation. I mean, there's literally a line about a shadow government and you're like, okay, so you're just going to drop like there's a shadow government and not provide there's just no support provided for a lot of these really also if
1: if you're the government can't you do can't you like you have the power to root them out now right cuz that's you guys <laughs> if you know where they are yeah if
0: you know about this if you know
1: about this what's you can do a thing about this now right
0: <sighs> yeah i so and they also i mean they also make sweeping claims like uh X is like a certain thing is destroying America, ruining children's lives. I think they say something like colleges and universities are uh, teaching people to hate America. Like just many times, just they're making these really bold statements without backing any of it up. And, you know, even though I vehemently (laughs) disagree with this report, um, I would have, (sighs) It would be easier to uh stomach if they had at least tried put any effort into convincing me. I mean, this is really just a propaganda piece. Uh yes. there's nothing
1: I have seen racist posts on Reddit that were better sourced and researched than <laughs> this thing. Uh,
0: and, like you know- at least
1: throw a shitty false graph like a misinterpreted graph at me or something like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, I mean at least at least try, right? Um, I mean, and related to this lack of citations and the fact that this is kind of a propaganda piece, there are a lot of phrases in here that – or sentences that just don't actually say anything but sound like something and that, and also sound easy to agree with. And this kind of writing is a propaganda tactic that, um, you know, like Chomsky has talked about a lot in his uh, discussion of propaganda. And, you know, it's basically – uh, if you don't know the kind of writing I'm talking about, I'm talking about something so pointless and vague or kind of like hard to disagree with that it it doesn't say anything. Much like uh, when me- I said at
1: the top of the at the top of the report, they go, we hold truth to be self-evident that everyone should be free and equal. Like, yeah, OK. we That sure. But what are you really trying to say with that? Like, if I. You're trying to say that I disagree with that because I dared to critique American syst- the systems that we see in American politics or life?
0: Yeah, sorry, I'm trying to find my favorite one. Um Oh, here we go. So, uh the the sorry, I'll read the sentence before it just so there's some context. They did not merely wish to assert that they disliked British rule. This is, of course, talking about the revolution, the colonial revolution. Uh, And so we're replacing it with something they liked better. They wished to state a justification for their actions and for the government to which it would give birth. That is both true and moral. Moral because it is faithful to the truth about things.
1: Oh. (laughs) Excuse me? You see, it's moral because it's really the truth about things.
0: Things. The truth about things. (laughs) Things. I mean, nothing before or after that clarifies, by the way. yeah, I want to take it aside
1: here. (laughs) This is like some conversations I've had with my dad before. Recently, I had a mini argument with him (laughs) about what a tradition is. You see, I forgot how we got into this argument or something, but he was trying to like... Make some kind of argument that uh, about tra- see, like religious, tra- like Christianity things aren't traditions because that's a thing that God told you to do. And if God told you to do it, it's not a tradition, even if you pass it down through the years and generations. I mean, you could
0: call it a divine tradition if you really wanted to get all goddy
1: about it, sure. Yeah, that's but like he was arguing, I, I we were literally arguing about what a tradition is. <laughs> Which I was saying, like, okay, so it's something that gets passed down as a practice through, you know, generations. And he was like, no, not if God told you to do it.
0: Then what is that called in his world? The truth. Okay.
1: But it's that same kind of thing, right? Where, Where, like, there's this immutable axiom that is outside of all things and you must accept it.
0: I mean if in his life that's what he wants to do that's fine but like Yeah no no I'm not, not
1: arguing about that but I'm just saying that yeah. like the spl- hair splitting about like <laughs> morality is really moral because it's the truth about things like well what is that that truth how do you know it's the truth well because <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah and and like why does it have to be the same truth for everyone I I don't know anyway my point was that was one of my favorite like purple prose, trying mm-hmm, to make you think mm-hmm. this was really, um, there's just, oh God. Anyway, before we get into like my notes on every little thing, uh, relate So this is also related to the lack of citations and, and kind of this, these phrases that say nothing. Um, only two of the 24 plus people involved in crafting this thing have even sort of tangentially related to U.S. history backgrounds, there are actual, actually zero U.S. historians <laughs> involved in a U.S. history report from the federal government.
1: So, not even like a conservative-leaning one. It's weird. not like those don't exist.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, I. I don't, yeah, it's like, it's like, at least
1: get the Prager you guys out here or something. (laughs) Like, even this.
0: I mean, most of these, or not most, but several of these people were from like the Heritage Foundation, which is a, you know, conservative, right leaning, um, I, it's hard to say history here for me because I do feel like they're so slanted. Uh, organization. I forget exactly if they're a think tank or if they do things instead of just thinking. I don't really know. Uh, But, you know, and and a lot, honestly, a lot of these people's names were so generic. I had a hard time figuring out who they were. Some of them are lawyers. Um, Some people were like uh, the head of, uh, you know, departments of colleges and things like that. But again, none of them are U.S. historians, which is kind of bizarre, right? I mean... It's it's one thing if if this were presenting itself if this was like hey we're a bunch of conservatives and this is our private report like fine sure but again like when you are the federal government of a nation you should probably take more care in hiring actual historians and I'm not saying that just because someone isn't a US historian means they could never comment on US history but again if you're if you're trying to write something that is supposed to be uh, this, like, foundational document for educating the nation's youth, I think you should have some U.S. historians involved. (laughs) I just feel like they should be in
1: the mix. One, there was, like, 24 people here.
0: Or more than that, including all the helpers. It was like, I don't know, 30-something.
1: You know what? I'm so sure that the helpers wrote it and then everyone else slapped (laughs) their name on it because this this so reads like something that got passed in at the last minute. Well,
0: it's probably because a quarter of it was self-plagiarized by some of the authors. So essentially, it seems like a lot of what this commission did was kind of just say, okay, we're all super hard-right conservatives. Let's, you know, we only have two months to do this, I guess. (laughs) So, I mean, in that sense, I sort of like, I sort of sympathize a little bit. I'm like, all right, you were given a tall order, like write this super right wing conservative, uh, propaganda history document in two months. Good luck. I mean, but then again, there was, yeah, 24 plus people involved. So I still feel like they could have done a better job, especially if there's, if they're supposed to be educated experts in things. Things. The, the moral uh, truth of things. <laughs> things. Um Anyhow, yeah, about a quarter That's of it. That's
1: me, Chris Moose, thingologist.
0: <laughs> so about a quarter of it is self-plagiarized. And all that means is that an author uses pieces or large swaths of pre-existing works and doesn't tell you that they've done that. So, you know, it doesn't, it, at first you're like, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. But then you're like, well, that kind of sucks though. Because if they're not telling you that it's from something before, then it looks you know it looks like something new that they created uh and it's just kind of lazy right um and and this was discovered because um a, a US women's history assistant professor named Courtney Thompson decided to just run the document through one of those plagiarism software things she ran it through a uh, turnitin and uh that's how she discovered that about 26% of it was uh self-plagiarized mm. <laughs> um yeah a- anyway i i don't i don't really know like why would it be so hard just to cite yourselves it's not hard to do footnotes or bibliography or any i have kind to of citation. pull down
1: the figure out in the ms word document thing what pull down menu it's under and that's under like a sub menu and like a settings <laughs> thing are you crazy uh I mean, do you work
0: oh is and that what you want me to do Work, <laughs> yes do work um I mean, obviously, this was also I not... I thought all you
1: socialists didn't want to do any work. What uh, the fuck?
0: <laughs> this was also not peer-reviewed, of course, before publishing. Um- I, is it
1: academic <laughs> enough to be put under peer review?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel I don't, like... I don't
1: peer-review my emails to a friend before I send them out. Well, sometimes, I think. But do like- you
0: publish your emails on a federal government platform for all to read and teach in schools?
1: Well, yeah, okay, <laughs> good point there, I suppose. I, yeah, but like, um, so fucking Donald Trump did <laughs> fucking peer review those tweets, did he?
0: Um, so my last, my last kind of point about uh the technical and formatting and kind of the general setup of this thing, honestly, trying to address any nation's history in twenty pages is a fucking fool's errand. I do not understand.
1: What about that one guy that yes. was like, I, "I'm this is the Republic of Gary or whatever," and he tried to like set up a sovereign nation of himself? I'm was, unfamiliar with there was a, the there Republic was a guy Gary. that tried to do that. Like, he was like, "My house is the Republic of Gary or something." Like it was like Dave or Gary or some shit like that. Am I thinking about a book or a movie instead? I think I might be thinking about I think about you're that. thinking
0: about the Family Guy episode where Peter formed, like,
1: Peter-topia or
0: something. I honestly don't That was even... based
1: on a thing, though. That was, that was like, a real... Uh, some guy tried that shit. Some oh. guy somewhere tried that shit. Do
0: we want to Google the Gary Nation? No, Gar-Nation?
1: no. I'm gonna, I'm going to cite this. Why, why do I have to do that if I'm, they're not citing their shit?
0: <laughs> uh, I also don't even know... God, I haven't thought about Family Guy in, like, 15 years. God. Um. Ugh. Anyway... Talk about something that hasn't aged well. Woof.
1: Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Let's continue onward, anyway.
0: Yeah. Uh. Let's see. Uh, you know. And like, lastly, <laughs> this is a very long, lastly in this section. Like, no large portion of of, of the nation was like, we need this <laughs> because this, you know, this kind of traditional, you know, macho, white centered. Telling of American history is what is already taught in schools. Like no one was like, we need more of it again. I mean, that's just so.
1: Well, and, it's because the universities were trying to say like, hey, but actually, and so that we can't have that. And,
0: and, and no, it's pretty. Like Chris said, at kind of the top of the show, it's pretty obvious that this was just a petty project fueled by. Trump and a lot of conservatives being mad about the 1619 project. But like for me, you know, if you're mad about the 1619 pro- 1619 project, then pick on the things about it that were actually problematic or wrong rather than going off on this like totally weird tangent. I mean, it would just make way more sense and also make you seem a little more credible, right? If you were like, Hey, these are our precise criticisms of the 1619 project and things that got wrong. I mean, and some people did that, um, the 1619 Project, you know, did have some issues, like any enormous <laughs> undertaking, journalistic undertaking, right? You get a lot of people working on something for a long period of time, <laughs> not two months. Um, and, I mean, the biggest – so I'm going to talk a little bit about the 1619 Project just because it's it's important because the 1776 Commission Report wouldn't have existed if the 1619 Project didn't come out when it did. Yeah. Um, so –
1: This is a spite report.
0: (laughs) It is a spite report. 1000%. So, um, the 1619 project does, you know, did have some issues. The biggest one is that when they first started it, some of the materials really overstated that the primary reason for the American revolution was to maintain slavery. So like maintaining slavery was definitely part of the revolution. But placing it as the primary reason isn't isn't supported by primary sources or what we know about history. Um, And after getting a lot of criticism, they did rephrase the tagline and they have softened that stance. Um, You know, that was kind of the biggest one. And then there were also some other stuff like uh, there was a historian that was a consultant on the project and the historian was like, hey, you know, because uh, because I guess the 1619 people contacted the historian and was like, hey, this is what we think of, like, how slaves lived in the, I don't, in, you know, the 1600s or whatever or in the, in the colonies. And the historian was like, well, the life of enslaved people varied, like, radically based on where they were and what decade, never mind century we're talking about but the 1619 people like didn't take that criticism and just kind of made a blanket dressing for the lives of enslaved folks. So and I I don't actually know if that was rectified um or has been rectified yet. But you know, it didn't it's not like <laughs> I I do, I do think it's shitty that they didn't listen to the historian. I don't know why that choice was made. Um but I also don't think that um kind of a a reductive portrayal of of enslaved people's you know lived conditions it was it was kind of like a small uh from what i remember it was sort of a smaller part of it like that doesn't really change the essential truths right um anyway i still think that they should have listened to this story and it's kind of i still don't really understand why they didn't uh, there were also some other stuff, like they inaccurately said that American slavery was threatened by British abolitionism, even though there wasn't a large movement, large abolition movement in Britain by 1776. And they also referenced a 1772 lawsuit regarding slavery in Britain. Um, and the, the critique of that was like, well, it was a decision for just Britain. It didn't have anything to do with the colonies. It's like, yeah, but... Even if it even if it didn't directly affect them, the colonies were primarily British. They would have known about the case, and it would have affected their minds. <laughs> so yes. like, so like, I kind of didn't really agree with that criticism. I was like, maybe maybe the way that it was put in the 1619 project didn't you know didn't uh, illustrate it well that you know that it was more of an influence and less of a direct um, uh, you know legal ruling. Anyhow. These things are problems. Um, You know, and I'm I'm sure there are other little things that were addressed, but like, (laughs) let's keep in mind here, this is a private project by journalists, private citizens. They weren't publishing on behalf of the fucking federal government.
1: (laughs) Um, Big difference.
0: Yeah. Um, And their intent was to bring a new angle to the study of U.S. history and they made many other points that were valid and true you know it's um you know and and they have you know references and citations um it's it's also an ongoing effort uh and it's multifaceted like like chris was saying it's a multimedia thing they've got a podcast a magazine web materials and there's also a forthcoming book um so it's a lot more than like 45 pages of hurriedly cut and pasted propaganda i i really even if you're like oh that sounds like super liberal horse shit i really urge you to read or listen to it and then like read some parts of the 1776 report. I'm not telling you to like spend a whole day on this, but really seeing these two things together, I feel really highlights the, the things that are so bad about the 1776 commission report and the good things in the 1619 project. Um, I I will say I did listen to the 1619 project when it came out. And honestly, my memory is real bad. I don't super remember it very well, and I did not have time to re-listen to it before this sh- this recording. Um, however, I did read some of the articles. I also thought they were great. And again, references, citations, they, they explain to you why they see history from the lens that they do. Whereas the 1776 Commission Report does not do that. It simply states something. It doesn't show you anything. Um, and again, telling rather than showing is a cardinal sin of writing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's my piece on that. Um, I I think I'm also going to mention that like, uh, the critique, you know, whether you care about this or not, the, uh, backlash of the 1776 commission report was far greater and more scathing and came from, I think, I don't know. I want to say like, there's a whole list. There was a whole list of organizations that signed a letter condemning the report. And it was a pretty blistering rebuke. The American Anthropological Association, the American Association for state and local history, the American Catholic historical association, the American folklore society, American libraries. I mean, American sociological association, American studies association, (laughs) Georgia association of historians, uh, you know, Phi Beta Kappa Society. Uh, <laughs> oh, hey, the,
1: frat, like, the, the frat just the, came in here.
0: Yeah, they were like, yeah, the Polish American Historical Association. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, like, everyone got in on this one.
0: Society for U.S. Intellectual History. Society of American Archivists. I mean, the Burger point King, is- <laughs> somehow. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> The Furry Alliance of North America. Weird. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. But my point, my point in reading off, you know, like a, a smattering of these organizations that co-signed this letter is that, you know, you you didn't really have that happen with the 1619 Project. You did have, there was a letter, uh, signed by a handful of sort of more middling conservative historians. Um, but even there, I mean and there were also strangely critiques from other people at the new york times who were like i didn't like the 1619 project and then the the people working on the project had to like write against their own staff in their own paper it was very weird you can read all of it it's still online if you are if you're interested um yeah anyway the and this this letter um the american historical association was the one who kind of wrote the letter and then all those other orgs signed on to it My favorite quote is this. The report actually consists of two main themes, one of which is a screed against a half century of historical scholarship presented largely as a series of caricatures using single examples, most notably the 1619 project to represent broader historiographical trends. And this is an important point, right? Because even though the 1619 project is like the thing these authors and Trump was mad about, which is why they made the report. um, They don't actually address the report directly and they make it seem as though that one project is somehow this, like, it, it's like this new, all I- oh, these are new ideas. Like, oh, oh, no one else has ever done this before, ever thought this way, but thought differently than the traditional telling of American history. When in reality, this stuff's been going on for decades. I mean, I guess the one difference here, though, is like the New York Times put this out. So you have, you know, this, this kind of like visibility and accessibility that perhaps other scholars did not have when discussing these alternate views of human history. So I think just because, oh, it's the New York times, suddenly everyone feels like no one's ever thought of this before. And it's like, no oh, people, this has been taught for quite some time. It like <laughs> in the evil colleges of the With United the, States, oh no. ah! Um uh, and, yeah, yeah, and I, I just, sorry, one last thing before we move on to the next section.
1: There's a whole um, other half of this fucking show we still have to get yeah, to. Yeah,
0: sorry, everyone, this is a long one. You know, I, I've said this a few times in different ways, but there really seems to be a need for this sort of, um, this, this different approach to history where we're focusing black Americans and their, and, and indigenous Americans and the experience of non-white folks, um, and and this is obvious because there have been studies from the S- uh, Southern Poverty Law Center and others um, in recent years where when they survey kids and test them on American history, few of them have much knowledge about the experiences of enslaved Americans or like black indigenous side of history, you know, it, it, because they're, many of them are being taught the brand of history that's in this report, right? This like, America is is exceptional, and we did away with slavery, and racism's over, and everything's great now. (laughs) Um, And it's it's pretty unfortunate um, that we kind of have stuck with this American exceptionalism and hero worship of founders and famous figures at the expense of critical thinking and challenging ourselves to be better. Right? I mean, if if we really want people to have you know roughly equivalent chances at life, liberty, and the pursuit pursuit of happiness. I don't know that we're ever going to be done doing that. Whereas I feel like a lot of these people that, you know, like write wrote this report feel like, Oh yeah, we're there. We did it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a fundamental. And they even decry this sort of like, well, progressives (laughs) think that all ideology is malleable and just up to like what all people decide is true, which, is isn't it like isn't yeah? Isn't it isn't
0: that how this works? You say that you want people to uh you, that you want the governed to make the decisions about how they are governed. It's like the whole thing, right?
1: Doesn't that mean <laughs> that maybe some attitudes will change over time and things will become different? Perhaps, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Also, like the part where you're like you're holding up the founding fathers is like oh revolutionaries that had radical new thoughts and then like later on you're like all these other revolutions were bloody and had <laughs> violence and they were bad like, any other about, radical
0: thoughts it, are evil basically,
1: <laughs> basically what it, it has a couple of sections on like fascism and socialism oh, and communism Christ, yeah. and it says all these bloody revolutions that led to much death and i was like did you think everyone just like had chess games in the american revolution <laughs> Yeah. Just like friendly. Tell oh me. by by jove, you've sunk my battle king ship. <laughs> I guess we must leave the colonies now.
0: Yeah, I yeah. Total distortion of of history. Violent
1: there. and bloody and
0: uh, <laughs> so let's speaking of that distortion <laughs> of history. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the actual fact slash presentation of history s- section. And g- th- there is this quote that I read, and this is 1 billion percent how I feel. Um, There's a professor of history from uh, UC Davis named Eric Rauchway, and he told the Washington Post in an article, it's very hard to find anything in here, the 1776 commission report, that stands as a historical claim or as the work of a historian. Almost everything in it is wrong, just as a matter of fact. I may sound a little incoherent when trying to speak of this because the report itself is not coherent. It's like historical whack-a-mole and man that is exactly how i feel i mean yeah continuing on that theme like there are just so many distortions and outright falsehoods that it's really hard to cover them all we'll just hit on some stuff or
1: even some just blatant omissions let's start with perhaps the biggest omission (laughs) of all Paris. oh boy which is that just native peoples as a whole apparently just not a part of this story at all for these folks there is a one, the one line that I literally had an outward expression the of disbe, disbelief, like <laughs> gasping out loud and going like, are you fucking kidding me? There is a line in here about how uh, the, the... It's America- on page it's on
0: page two. I have it.
1: Oh, good. <laughs> well, could you perhaps read this line? Yeah.
0: And although a relatively young country, its people have a shared a history of common struggle and achievement from carving communities out of a vast untamed wilderness to winning independence and forming a new government through wars, industrialization, waves of immigration, technological progress, and political change.
1: All right, so first of all, as if America is the first country to ever carve itself out of the wilderness also secondly it wasn't complete untamed what there was many nope. native culted, indigenous <laughs> no. cultures hanging out all over the place there, there were, were all whole, kinds whole
0: ass societies they had and agriculture
1: shit. and <laughs> yeah. livestock and which trade. is a tamed wilderness
0: language
1: those buffalo, perhaps, Religion. that we, you know, many, we have many examples of, like, buffalo being hunted by native cultures, even in just fucking hokey westerns and shit, right? Like, it, um, It's such an erasure yeah. of native peoples that the fucking tortured soul of Andrew Jackson in hell, <laughs> for a moment, like, had a brief smile on his face when this line was written.
0: I mean, you're not wrong. I also just had... Just like, ah,
1: yeah, my legacy is... Still-
0: I also Uh, had to take a moment after I read that phrase. I actually, so I highlighted the phrase uh, carving communities out of a vast untamed wilderness and my note was, Clippy thinks you should replace this phrase with stealing land from pre-existing nations. (laughs) like we (laughs) that's really what happened I mean untamed wilderness uh, is really
1: the set of words that made me angry because it it's not it's just saying they weren't there dude
0: let's go yeah I know it's it's just this complete and and get this they don't talk about I I think they might say indigenous or native like one other time two actually I can just do a quick quick searchy-roo here the appearance of the word "native" happens seven times, and guess what? It's not about Native Americans. It's the word "alternative."
1: <laughs> wow, or, you need a better find function. On oh, that.
0: I'm sorry. Native only happens twice. Sorry, it took a second to reload for the word "native" not applying to Native Americans and "alternative." Let's try "indigenous." Clippy, search for
1: "indigenous."
0: Zero for indigenous. (laughs) All right, I was being more generous than I should have been.
1: Paris, Um, I I just like I I know this isn't in here, but like let's give them a little bit of the benefit of the like racist doubt here and type in Indian.
0: mm, Oh, you're probably right. Fuck. (laughs) Yes. Um. (laughs) Hang on, hang on, Chris. Do you want to know where the word Indian appears?
1: Yes, of course.
0: In the text of the Declaration of Independence, that's in the first <laughs> appendix.
1: So the document that they really jerk themselves off about at least mentions the cultures.
0: Uh, it does call... It does... It is notable because it does say the merciless Indian savages. Sorry, folks. That is in our constitution. Yeah, yeah but
1: at least they're mentioned. One. Wow. The bar is so low. <sighs>
0: It's not a good sentence. Like the no. phrase is bad, but the sentence is actually worse. Uh, mm,
1: yeah. Oh, uh, so yeah, just again, complete ig- ignoring <sighs> yeah. An erasure of, of the many cultures. Many yeah. many cultures.
0: I mean, and like the the crazy shit they say right at the beginning, I have a note uh there's a sentence that says But no nation before America ever dared state those truths as the formal basis for its politics, and none has strived harder or done more to achieve them. And my note is, really? No other fucking country ever in the history of humanity has stated that it wanted to base its system of government on equality, liberty, and justice? No other country has strived harder? Like, that's kind of an insane statement to make, right? And I, I'm guessing that perhaps, I don't, even if you if even if you read that uh, like really strictly as state meaning written, I just I don't know. I don't
1: feel they like might be trying real. to say like America was the first one
0: to well, say they, that. Oh yeah, well they do say that, and that's also not
1: mm-hmm. totally right.
0: <laughs> um, you know, they're so they they make this statement. Um, um, it says that like, uh. Republics have been short-lived. And Chris and I were like, wasn't the Roman Republic around for like 500 years? Like this. Maybe a little more than that. I wouldn't consider that short-lived. And also, well, no, maybe well no, maybe that's wrong because they still had anyway. Um there's there's also like San Marino has the longest lasting republic in modern history at like over 400 years. And Iceland has kind of been doing the same thing for, I don't know, quite some time longer than 200 years. I don't know. I mean, and and the reason they say this is because, so there's like a really, um, strict reading where, you know, they talk about how America is the first one to have a written constitution. And like, Sort of. Again, San Marino is up is up there, is longer than us. But, like, technically, America has the oldest single document written constitution. So it's, like, a really specific, it's a really narrow, specific definition. And I also don't know why that is so important. Like, I mean, because, like, you got the Magna Carta, right? I mean, that was, that was. Been around for a bit it was written um, of course you know it wasn't like a anyway point being yes the founding of the United States does have some pretty like revolutionary documents that not a lot of places had at that time or, or anywhere whatever or since but again it's this it's this couching it as exceptional then and therefore forever exceptional and wonderful it's like people can have different governments and they're gonna be they could be just as good. I don't I don't know. It's, no,
1: there's only one way to do things, Paris. It's the truth about things.
0: oh here's my here's my favorite one. In two decisive respects, the United States of America is unique. First, it has a definite birthday motherfucker oh, yeah. most nations like, like, have a have a national day like what are you talking about I like
1: that this was a point they made is like well America's special because we have a specific birthday that we know about and they give examples of like other republics being founded and like organized through a series of like events over years which is still what happened with America Yes correct it was there was still like a whole war that took a while and like a constitutional convention that it all didn't happen like one, like, well, July 4th, 1776. We had the whole war and everyone had a, the agreement on the Constitution. It, <laughs> was, mean, re- it was a c- crazy day, Paris. It was yeah, a crazy I, day. All
0: of history <laughs> happened. Yeah. I mean, and it's just absurd. I mean, like, so many countries have a national day. Norway's got May 17th, you know, it's so the 10th of May. Uh, what's Poland's national day? I'm sure they got one.
1: I don't know. Don't no. put me in the spotlight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um,
1: I'm sorry. I don't deserve my dosis. <laughs>
0: point being, it's very common for a nation to celebrate its heritage. And I know that they're saying like, well, we know this is like the day they they signed the thing. But like Chris said, I mean... Like any nation, it was a culmination of events before it. I just think it's a really stupid thing to say. (laughs) Um, It's
1: very reductive and and silly. And it says,
0: second, it declares from the moment of its founding not merely the principles on which this new government will be based, it asserts those principles to be true and universal. Like, I'm sure a lot of nations were like, this is the truth of everything. Like, I, I just it just seems like an oversimplification. Also, these aren't us historians these aren't historians writing this I, I don't know
1: all right pass i think we got to keep oh, moving here man this, this is a lot of a lot more chaff to to cut here
0: oh oh wait wait no this is good this is good sorry let me let me do it yet oh okay we confront finally the difficulty that the eternal principles elucidated in the declaration were stated and became the basis for an actual government only a relatively short time ago Yet, if these principles are both eternal and accessible to the human mind, why were they not discovered and acted upon long before 1776? Motherfucker, are you trying to tell me that people could not could think of equality and liberty, but those ideas were never actually acted upon until 1776 <laughs> in America? Like,
1: Yeah, no, we no one ever tried to do no? any of that shit before. How about, this is a, actually a great segue into the next claim <laughs> that I took much issue with. Which was America being presented as if it was the first country to outlaw slavery,
0: yeah, as there's like, a
1: there's a line in here that, where it's like America was the first to like abolish slavery in the world, and everyone followed our lead. And I just I, you know, Wikipedia is not a great source, but it's like again, i I literally typed into I didn't even do any scholarly research. I just went to Google and I went, who abolished slavery when? And up comes the Wikipedia page. And how about this? Um, we've got um, Goreo, which was like sort of a loose federation or kingdom in what is now Korea in nine nine 952. Not We didn't even have a one before anything yet. And a dude <laughs> by the name of Gwangjong banned the enslavement of anyone in his territories in 952. We've got 1102, the Council of London banning the selling of man-like animals. That's a quote in Norman, England. Um, In 1256, the country of Bologna, yes, bologna i think it's bologna but yeah but i'm just saying bologna because it's funny okay Uh, (laughs) abolished serfdom and slavery as a whole within its borders
0: they also abolished any sandwiches made with whole meats yes gotta be mixed of at least three animals to count it
1: caused the great deli meat war of the 13th century so (laughs) i mean that's a whole other topic we'll get to that um, in 1347, Casimir the Great of Poland tried to free... I would, he he wrote an edict, or it's thought that he tried to write an edict. There's actually a little bit of, you know, argument about whether he actually wrote this or whether it was posthumously attributed to him. But anyway, in 1347, someone, Casimir, or someone working under him, wrote an edict trying to free all non-free people in Poland. And this one was when he was trying to unite... Meant Poland was, fra- Poland's always been fracturing and coming back together again. It's kind of a key feature of Polish history. He was trying to uh, unite greater Poland and uh, lesser Poland, Wielka Polska, and Mawa Polska. Um, into, it's kind of funny to me because Mawa is like a cute term for little. So they were saying like little cute Poland. Um,
0: Mawa, Mawa Polska, the nation, of cats, the nation of cats. Polish cats.
1: Mawa. Not Mawa, but Mawa. <laughs> Anyway, he tr- like that was a the thing. They would try to free all non-free people. Um, we've got 1677, the Maratha Empire in what is now India. Banned all enslavement, serfdom, any form of servitude, period. So, yeah, America wasn't the first place to say, like, hey, maybe this is bad.
0: Yeah, I also think it's interesting that the report constantly harps on, like, well, slavery existed before America. Like, it's not our fault that there's slavery. <laughs> and also, we ended it. So, like, who's the real heroes? And it's like, <laughs> y'all.
1: Like, we are. Not under, the like, first in no either one, of those things.
0: Yeah, like, no one is sitting here blaming America, like, Blaming America for starting slavery, but slavery in America took a very specific form, right? And so that's why people talk about American slavery as being, um, shall we say, exceptional (laughs) In, in how brutal and widespread it was. Um, And you know, chattel slavery in this way. And you know, there's all these people that are like, what about about the Irish? Like all these stupid, whiny complaints about other types of slavery. And just because other types of slavery existed in other places doesn't mean we just don't have to deal with the fact that slavery in America was terrible and had huge impacts on our founding and history. Like, I I just don't know why people can't keep two things in mind at one time. It's not hard.
1: Also, like you said, the sort of the way they presented is if all these critiques of current, the you know, current systems in America are saying that America is uniquely bad because of slavery it, Really, all these academic things are trying to point out is that slavery still has a lasting legacy on our society. There are still reverberations of it throughout our culture and systems here, even past the post-civil rights stuff. Which, once again, that happened in, like, the late 50s, early 60s. So there's plenty of people alive right now walking around (laughs) before that. My father, for one, was Mm. around before any of that happened. So when he was very young, Martin Luther King was making speeches. And so, like, they're not even that old or anything yet. So if you think that the civil rights movement happened and then we washed it all away, it's cool now. In less than a century, and there aren't going to be lasting effects of that, you're nuts. I'm sorry. You you can't, re- you can't really believe that.
0: I mean, it's easy for people to swallow this kind of um, really reductive and whitewashed history because, you know, like many people, they're either you know, they're privileged in some way, either they're white or they have adopted, um, a lot of ideas of white supremacy that are just ingrained in American culture and Western culture in general, um, because of the existence of, you know, widespread channel slavery in the United States. And it's just, I don't know how you have something, how you, how you have the ownership and torture, um, of human beings for hundreds of years and go, yeah, we're done now. I mean, I mean, if that's like
1: it comes down to I've seen the argument a lot. And it's basically a lot of people going like, well, there's no slaves now. Were you a slave? So therefore, why do you have to talk about slavery as if it happened to you? And it's like, no, I'm not saying that the slavery. I'm saying that there are things that are a result of that happening a while ago that we are still dealing with.
0: Yeah, I don't really know why it's hard to understand either. It's like, okay. the colonists gained their freedom from England, you know, if we really want to, not that this is like an exact, uh, comparison, but you know, in 1776 and like Frederick Douglass said, you know, it's like, well, black people weren't totally free until I wouldn't even say the Emancipation Proclamation because some people didn't even hear about that shit until two years after. So, you know, you've got a whole, a good almost hundred years difference between when white people in the United States colonies were free and when black people were technically free. And even then, you know, black folks didn't... It's not like, oh, right then, everything just was easier. Like, no, they still had to deal with racism and, like, so many laws were enacted that sort of made slavery just take a new form, you know, uh, like sharecropping. And um, there were a lot of laws... But I mean, people who were... (laughs) white people couldn't even legally marry black folks until god what year was that not long ago it was like the 60s right yes miscegenation laws yeah I mean so it is just crazy to me to think that folks can hear those facts and know that history and go oh it's fine everything's equal now and it's just not (sighs) Anyway, I didn't mean to get too proselytize there, but it does make me a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, anyway, just it, moving on. There's this idea throughout the document that Chris already talked about where it essentially says, you can't think critically about founding members of your nation or its founding documents. And I'm just wondering, like, what do they think life would be like if we literally never made any changes to our founding documents and never created any more laws. I mean, that would just be bizarre, right? Like life isn't static. Why would we have the same exact laws we had 300 years ago? You know, it's just, it's, you know, and it's pretty clear that nations are always, you know, reevaluating um, their governing documents and their laws because things change over time i mean do i really need to explain that time exists and that things change like you age you're not going to tell me that you're the same person now that you were 10 20 years ago i know i'm not right i
1: No, but there are universal truths that should never be examined or thought about or critiqued or examined they're immutable if there's nothing, if there's something that's not immutable, Paris, then everything is just chaos, and I can't handle that personally.
0: Well, and the weird thing is that they think that these these immutable truths are like, you know, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. No one's critiquing those things. We're critiquing the shit around it. <laughs> like, not like how we're not getting there. Praise. Essentially. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I don't really understand this idea that, like, well, you can't critique famous people that did important things like of course you can it's insane to think that you can't um how are you going to ever understand the true whole of someone who's that and you should right if they're that important to your nation's history and its laws you should understand them as a whole person and that includes their hypocrisy and their mistakes there's a line in here that says like well george washington freed all of the slaves and like that's not even true on Washington's deathbed, he was like, I request that you free my slaves. And his wife went, okay, they freed one guy. And then a year later, she was like, okay, I guess I'll free half of them roughly. So she did. But then the other half remained enslaved for either a couple more decades or so. Some of them Uh. were never freed and were actually granted to grandchildren. So like, Again, it's these distortions of history. Like, yeah, I'm imagine- George Washington said he wanted to free his slaves, but he also waited until he was fucking dead.
1: I I'm <laughs> imagine, then- like, like, the one guy that got freed was the servant in the room at the time, <laughs> and like, like Martha just looked at him and like at George and him and went like, "Okay, I guess I have to with him." Oh well, well,
0: <laughs> well, that is a hilarious historical sketch. Uh, the one guy that was immediately freed was some was some like uh hero from the war. I think when they had already agreed like, yeah, that one's got to be free or something. He was some heroic figure. I'm sorry. I actually don't remember the name that I read. Um, I probably should just go back and find that. But anyway, uh, I don't know. Like, and stuff like that. I mean, that's obviously just not a true fact. Right. And, and there are a lot of things like that. And there are just so many of them that I, uh...
1: let's keep a truck in Paris. Let's see if we can just whack them all these w- moles. Um, Back oh,
0: there's also this implication this and i'm gonna i'll I'm gonna say this is a distortion because there's an implication that martin luther king Juli- Ju- julius <laughs> martin luther king julius uh he made those delicious <laughs> orange smoothies uh, martin, <laughs> martin luther king jr would not support quote-unquote group rights is honestly preposterous to say that King wouldn't support things like, you know, affirmative action or, um, I I don't know, like hate crime legislation or something. I, I mean, in King's book, why we can't wait in interviews and in quotes from those who knew him well, he is explicit about his support and advocacy for things like that. You know, there, there is a point where, uh, he was being interviewed about, um, some program that was, that was being discussed, like, I forget it was like giving each black family X amount of money. And he was like, yeah, he's like, well, that'd be cheaper than giving us lost wages for the last 200 years. So yeah, I support it. You know, I mean, if, if you actually, again, if you actually read primary material, um, from Dr. Martin Luther King jr, you would come to understand that his views on civil rights didn't end with the civil rights era. If he had his way, (laughs) we, we would, uh, I think be much further along than we are now it's very it's very interesting that the um that a lot of conservatives they will always trot out Martin Luther King Jr for his convenient I have a dream speech quotes out of context but they'll never actually engage with his the larger body of his work and and how he really felt and what he really advocated for um so yeah just another like weird distortion oh also they fucking published this on Martin Luther King Jr Day this year which yeah. I find it very hard to I find it really hard to see that as a coincidence or an oversight it seemed it feels deliberate you know after reading this of course there's no evidence of that but that's how I feel it's my feeling <clears throat> you know and getting into this kind of more they, they make some pretty they make they make claims that like you know uh oh, group rights are bad blah 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 um
1: they basically use the fear word identity politics. Yes,
0: identity politics. And, and you know, for people of this conser- super conservative mindset, and this isn't to say that all conservatives have these views. There are plenty of conservatives who are conservative on, like, fiscal policy and infrastructure, but they're, you know, kind of they're a bit more liberal in terms of social and racial thoughts. So, again, not making... Not uh, making uh, statements that all. Conservatives feel this way, but this sort of type of conservative, you know, who wrote this report, very far right. Um, they they feel that your identity as a person, you know, your race, gender, um, sexuality, shouldn't matter. That everyone. <clears throat> should be exact, treated exactly the same. And, you know, you might think, well, that, that sounds like it makes sense. And I think at a base level, it's pretty easy to agree with that because it sounds like what you're saying is that you should evaluate people based on how they act, who they are and such, but how someone acts and who they are isn't separate from their gender or race or how they live in the world, right? Their lived experience is is uniquely informed by their gender or race or sexuality. And you can't, you can't separate that. So I just don't really there's know.
1: A, there's a hmm. doozy of a comparison they make about oh, like, yeah. when they bring. Please. It. So th- this is kind of key to this line of thinking where, They're trying to essentially scare you off the idea of identity politics by saying, like, it's the real racism, you see, because they they're separating everyone into these different groups. And that's how you get these racist ideas. The comparison they make is that there was a South Carolina senator. By the name of John C. Calhoun, around Civil Warish uh, times, yep, and who, who be, he had a bunch of things where he had speeches or writings where he said that white people is better, y'all. It's just a fact that white people are better, and they make the comparison that like, well, I'd people that. Partake in identity politics are the same as John C Calhoun you see because both of them divided people into different groups and it's like this is not at all the same <laughs> no John not
0: even C close. Calhoun
1: was asserting the supremacy of a particular group amongst all others he Correct. said this is true fact while what they're calling identity politics is examining how different groups are treated under different systems in society and pointing out you know, trends, let's say, in how people are treated. It is not saying that they they are making the argument that like, Oh, because you are saying we need to treat different groups differently. That is the same as John C Calhoun saying, we must elevate the white man to the status of the highest rank in society. It is not one is asserting dominance. The other one is saying, Hey, these different groups tend to be treated differently by under these systems.
0: Yeah. I mean, and and I like to think about it this way. And, and I will say, uh, as a personal note, you know, when I was a lot younger, when I was a teenager, I didn't, I didn't understand this kind of thing. I don't know about you, Chris, but I certainly thought like, yeah, treat everyone equally. Of course. Why would, you know, that's the whole being colorblind. That was a big thing in the nineties. Y'all, any of y'all grew up in the nineties in America, colorblind, colorblind, we don't see color. Everyone's the same.
1: That's an actual colorblind, very confusing message there for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Chris, Chris was like, "But I really don't, though." (laughs) Yeah. Ah, Chris, yes, you are the god. You do not see the color.
1: Chris (laughs) should
0: make all the laws. Um, is what is what the '90s U.S. federal government would think. Please (laughs) no. But anyway, um, when I, I remember when I was younger, you know, and I didn't. I didn't have any black friends. I didn't have any indigenous friends. I didn't have any friends who are Latinx. I was around a bunch of white people, even though I was in a um, community of with plenty of black people, you know, like most, like most people, you, you just don't end up mixing, right? Because people are segregated, um, whether willfully or not. Um, you know, and I didn't have that perspective as a kid. Uh, and I definitely didn't understand this sort of stuff until I got older and, you know, even not even that long ago, you know, I would say maybe over the last 10 years or so, I, I think I, I think I've really come to understand more what we really need for equality in this country and how that works because you know, like I said, it's really tempting, right? To say, oh, treat everyone equally. But what is equal treatment is the question. And if your answer is give everyone the same thing, it doesn't actually work. So for example, let's say you go to the doctor, you know, Chris goes to the doctor and says, oh, it's really weird. I can't, I can't see anything like at a certain distance. And they go, "Ah, oh, well, here you go. Have these glasses. And Chris goes, oh, these actually don't help. And they were like, well, those are the glasses we give out to everyone. That's just what you get. And Chris is like, okay, you know, and then like <laughs> Chris falls off a building, you know, whatever. But, you know, it's like... Common prescri- occurrence for me. I'm always falling yeah. up. <laughs> but no, it's like prescribing the same medicine for different people, right? I mean, even if you're talking about just actually administering medicine, you know, if I'm of a certain weight and height and gender you're going to give me a certain amount of drug that you're not going to give Chris because he is of a different weight and height and gender, right? Like, and that that's kind of how you have to think about uh, racial, like systematic racism and stuff. And And trust me, it can be hard sometimes. I still have, you know, that classic white person problem sometimes where I'll hear a person of color say something and I'll go, oh, that sounds really radical. I don't, you know, I'll kind of balk at it. And then I have to go, No, wait, you should, you know, you should really listen to them. And I do. And yeah, I just feel like when you have this whole swath of the country that's like, hi, I'm being actively harmed and things are bad for this reason, you might want to listen to them. Especially if you know that there are pre-existing things that could have probably caused them harm, like... Being a descendant of slaves, perhaps, or being descendants of immigrants who were, oh, I don't know, interred by the federal government a few decades ago. You know, I mean, there's just, it's a lot of layers and it is work to think through these things. I'm not saying this is easy, Um, you know, for any of you who don't agree. I really think that you should (laughs) just give it, just, just read some stuff by people you don't agree with. Um, talk to people who are maybe not white, (laughs) you know, um, obviously, you know, I'm not going to say that every racial group is a monolith, of course, like not all black folks are all Chinese folks or, you know, what have you all think the same way
1: about how different things should be done. I know plenty of Hispanic people that actually really dislike the Latinx thing. Yeah. So like that, you know, some that it could be good for some could be good, not good for others. You kind of have to talk to as many different people as you can and feel out almost their individual experiences to get a better idea and do the work of how people would like to be treated.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I'm not a, I'm not a fucking scholar on racism or no. U S historian,
1: but no, we're not just,
0: I'm just explaining that, you know, your ideas about these things can change over time. Cause I know mine did. Um, and it, it can feel a little uncomfortable.
1: And you should be critiquing yourself and yeah. wondering, like, was that, could I have done better? Should I be doing better? We should always be trying to do better.
0: Yeah. And and that's kind of the key, right? Um, if, if, if you're really sitting there going, ah, racism doesn't exist. I'm done with that. Like, maybe readdress that. I can't you
1: know, be racist because racist is for bad people and I'm not a bad person.
0: Yeah, that's an that's, unfortunate comment. Don't common, uh, start
1: there. The, like, you you have to just come from the point of it is possible for me to fuck up and do a bad thing, which does not render me entirely a bad person. As long as you're continuing to try to self-examine and see where you could have done something better. You know, if you're just putting up these walls because you don't want to have hurt feelings you're not going to get any better, which is true of nearly anything, not just like these kinds of things, You know, like just your progress in anything. As we have seen from many authors of books here, if you put up a wall and don't respond to any (laughs) criticism, you ain't going to get any better.
0: Yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, actually uh, coincidentally, Ibram Kendi is the next person in my notes, uh, just about his, a piece of his critique of the report. And, I'm just going to push once again that if you've never read Ibram Kendi's book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, or any of his work, I urge you to do so, even if you feel like maybe you don't agree with it. You want to talk about somebody who has fucking receipts and good citations. Kendi is your man. Um, I just I just feel like his, his perspective and his approach to racism is that We've we've all been steeped in a racist culture for so long that we are all racist. And so what we must do is make the choice every day to do anti-racist things. Um,
1: It's like brushing your teeth, right? Like you got to keep brushing the teeth. The teeth are good.
0: And again, his statement is not just for white people. It is for literally all people because you're not absolved of racist thinking no matter what color creed you are class you are it pervades everything in this country um so anyway i really really urge you to consider reading some of kenny's work if you find yourself skeptical of um this kind of thing and let's let's talk about his critique um you know i, I just said i can't resist quoting kenny's reaction to the report um <laughs> this report makes it seem as if since the civil rights movement, black people have been given privileges and preferential treatment in nearly every sector of society, which is news to black people. <laughs> it's just, just like, mm. uh, and he continues, if we have commonly been given preferential treatment, you know, over the last few decades, then why do black people remain on the lower and dying end of nearly every racial racial disparity? oh, are you trying to secretly dog whistle and say that, well, if we've given preferential treatment to black people and they still aren't doing well, then perhaps they belong in the lower echelon of society. Because that's the undertone you're getting there.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: If you read between the lines, that's kind of, (laughs) unfortunately, uh, what you're seeing. And, I mean, but again, I, I don't think, you know, like Hendy's saying, you know, it's not like, it's not like that's necessarily true that black folks has been, have been given all of this preferential treatment and stuff. Um, and you know, I'm sure someone's going to jump in here with a uh, affirmative action. Um, you can jump right back out. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bye. Too, t- too tired right now.
1: I don't read those YouTube comments too long. If it honestly, if a YouTube comment goes for more than like one paragraph, I, mm, Oh, that's
0: I'm- too long. I wouldn't even read after two lines.
1: If you've got something, like, if you really have something to say, maybe send it in an email instead or something, you know, whatever. You know what? Whatever. Do what you want. You're allowed Um, to post it, whatever. It's a public space. I'm not going to say you can't post it, but, like, I'm probably not going to read it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, YouTube comments are, are dead to me. Um,
1: if you have a legitimate critique about the format of our show or what we could do better, that's not just you liberal assholes or you cucks that don't like guns like the fucking Monster Hunter International YouTube comments. Or which is funny Ho because... Ta- I- Why is Ho-Tactics the place where we get dragged <laughs> the most because by people looking to find a free... Okay, here's my yeah. tangent rage moment of like, y'all oh, are trying wow, to find okay. a free audiobook <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're dragging us for daring to say hey maybe don't lie to people. Okay, anyway, that's, that's a whole other topic. Yeah,
0: I Yeah, uh YouTube is a is a hive of villainy. Uh moving on. There are there are multi- many parts of this report where the authors are saying that critiquing the fact that the founding fathers as they are called of America owned human beings and enslaved them is actually worse than the enslavement itself. <laughs> that is just wild to me. Um, and to, I'm sure many people who read this document, uh, I'm just going to try to find some of those pieces where they actually say that because, Oh, here we go. My note is LMAO. What? Uh, the most common charge leveled against the founders and hence against our country itself is that they were hypocrites who didn't believe in their stated principles and therefore the country they built rests on a lie this charge is untrue and has done enormous damage especially in recent years with a devastating effect on our civic unity and social fabric
1: basically saying if you critique the founding fathers about their slave ownership then you're going to ruin the entire country because you're going to make people have divisions
0: yeah I just that's just a very bizarre thing and then actually uh the sentence the two sentence or sentence before that is um they actually talk about how the Constitution by design makes room for change and that and that sorry I'll just read it uh verbatim The Constitution has proven sturdy against narrow interest groups that seek to change elements of the Constitution merely to get their way. At the same time, it is important to note that by design, there is room in the Constitution for significant change and reform. Indeed, great reforms like abolition, women's suffrage, anti-communism, the civil rights movement, and the pro-life movement have often come forward that improve our dedication uh, to the principles of the Declaration of Independence under the Constitution. And like, my dude, where is the pro-life movement or anti-communism enshrined in the Constitution or in any constitutional amendment? Am I forgetting an amend- some amendments here?
1: No, they're just trying to throw those in <laughs> as like was- good and righteous movements that you should just accept as good and righteous without, you know, really digging into it too much.
0: But but the construction of of those sentences makes you think that like abolition, women's suffrage, and so the civil rights movement, there are associated amendments yes. for yeah, anti communism and the pro life movement. Yeah, and I don't think that that's a, true.
1: They're trying to Jedi mind trick you. Yeah,
0: here. yeah. It's that shit that really fucking kills me. Like it's one thing if people have their conservative viewpoints that I don't agree with and don't support. It's another thing when they try to fucking trick people like that shit. That sucks. It's even worse. Oh, and then there's this whole thing that like... Slavery has been more the rule than the exception throughout human history. Yeah. Cool, bro. I know. Why are we talking about it? Like, it's... Oh, my God. And that yeah, this is the part where they're just like... America abolish slavery forever the first first and only ones it's like i don't think okay um oh man how did we get back to this point oh my notes are funny sometimes
1: i don't think honestly there's only maybe one or two more things here to to bring up
0: oh the shadow government sentence is uh worthy of a note um Oh, this is not the section about how progressivism is bad right before the section about how fascism is bad and how progressives cause it, question mark. Um, Based on this false understanding of rights, the progressives designed a new system of government. Hey, remember that last section I read about how the Constitution is actually designed for change and that we should change it sometimes? Instead of securing fundamental rights grounded in nature, government operating under a new theory of the living constitution should constantly evolve to secure evolving rights in order to keep up with these changes. Government would be run more and more by credentialed managers who would direct society through rules and regulations that mold to the currents of time. They talk about this as though this is bad. This is a bad thing. I'm sorry. This is a bad thing. Um,
1: once again it's the fact that they're like they need something immutable and constant to like hold on to as their anchor or else every like i said before i think it's a true fear of change and the fact that the universe is chaos that we must constantly work against they can't uh, handle that thought so that there has to be something true and immutable for all time for all things
0: but like why can't those things be life liberty the pursuit of happiness for everyone why does it have to be Why can't, like, I don't understand. Like, no one's saying that those things are bad. No one is saying that we're not doing that. Oh, it gets better. Um, Far from creating an omniscient body of civil servants led only by pragmatism or science, these are in quotes, though, uh, though, sorry, progressives instead created what amounts to a fourth branch of government, called at times the bureaucracy or the administrative state this shadow government never faces elections and today operates largely without checks and balances
1: isn't the bureaucracy what? isn't the bureaucracy the executive branch that executes things like the the one that does the things
0: yeah I don't really know what they're getting and they're also saying this shadow government that is the administrative state doesn't face elections like,
1: so I the mean, I, guess I branch, then. Right, because... <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I
0: don't know, because, yeah, the executive branch certainly appoints people. Like, people can certainly be appointed to positions and not elected to them, but that's kind of a regular part of our government, so I don't... I think d- they're just d- saying the
1: executive <gasps> branch bad?
0: No, because they think there's a shadow government that doesn't get elected, so it's not the executive branch.
1: But I think that's that's what they think, because... Like, <laughs>
0: But this report was commissioned by the executive.
1: That's what I said before, Paris. Like, if you're, (laughs) you can rage. like, it's really easy to rage about shadow governments when you're tweeting into the void or you're Alex Jones with your, like, shitty radio show or something. But when you are the head of that whole government system, if you so desire, you, especially if they're unelected and therefore you don't have to worry about, you know, people electing these people... You could re- move them. And then the shadow government problem wouldn't be a th- problem.
0: would yeah. it? And you know, if there were some citations here, it would be really helpful. Or if they were more specific, <laughs> it would be very helpful. No, oh, the
1: shadow is- government.
0: Oh, this is my favorite. This is my favorite. Uh, I think I talked about this earlier. One of my favorite uh, notes. There- Let me just read this to you. This is from the report. <clears throat> As one prominent progressive historian wrote in 1922... To ask whether the natural rights philosophy of the Declaration of Independence is true or false is essentially a meaningless question. Bro, who said it, though? Which prominent <laughs> progressive historian wrote that in 1922? Now I gotta fucking Google this shit. Also, why is it so bad? to Like, I'm sure, again, taken out of context, oh, it sounds evil. Someone says that this, you know, the natural rights in the Constitution talking about whether it's true or false is meaningless. Apparently, Carl Becker, I don't even know who Carl Becker is. Um, Carl Becker was apparently writing that the government is not the source of our rights, that they are inherently inalienable and separate, which is what the fucking Constitution also says. Why? Why do you not like this conservative report? Also,
1: wasn't that what you were saying before, earlier in the report? That the. Okay. That's what
0: I mean. I, it's like. It, They just don't know what they're doing. It's just like, oh, it also asserts that progressives want to take old rights away as the country develops. What rights are progressives taking away? Please tell me. There's Um, no example. There are zero um, examples. If you um, could at least provide me with an example, I could think about it and decide whether or not you're right. But if you don't give me an example, I have no reason to even consider your fucking point. (laughs) Like <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um Oh, it's just
1: All right. uh, Paris. I think let's put a cap on this. We we've spent more time on this than no, they did. No, like, I Pat have Paris. one
0: more. I have one more. I have one more. <sighs> this legacy from the Cold War, apparently of anti-Americanism is by no means entirely a memory, but still pervades much of academia and the intellectual and cultural spheres. I.e. everything. I don't know. The increasingly accepted economic theory of socialism, while less violent than communism, is inspired by the same flawed philosophy and leads down the same dangerous path of allowing the state to seize private property and redistribute wealth as the governing elite see fit. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you not like the seizure of um private property? Because I'm pretty sure you built um most of the highway system by bulldozing black neighborhoods, <laughs> uh, and native held land.
1: Yeah, there was um, the, the before even that happened. There was the you know marching Native Americans into like small reservations where they had to leave to live. You know,
0: you could- yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, what that really should say is allowing the states to seize private property of white people yes. or people who subscribe, people who are not white, but subscribe to the tenets of white supremacy. <laughs> like, don't come at me with that anti-seizure of private property shit. Like, first of all, no one likes that. Second of all, you do it all the time, American government. Why are you over here trying to talk about things you already do? This is the whole fucking thing. They try to shit on an idea and like forget that that's something that they've done a bunch of, or just I don't know, are unaware of it. I'm not really sure. Maybe they are unaware because none of these people are U.S. historians. <laughs> Maybe they just don't know. There's
1: your cap. There's your cherry on top again. Just <laughs> uh...
0: all right, Paris.
1: Really, really. I, I like. We can't do every last bit, and we can't, the moles have been whacked. My arm is tired, Paris.
0: Both of my arms are broken and the moles are eating my face. That's how I feel. Do you know how much fucking reading I did for this? And I still don't feel prepared even after the episode. I'm like, it's just so difficult to try to process so many things that are so complicated.
1: Oh, Paris. Let's let's just get back to critiquing centaur porn instead. How about, you know, that seems a little easier.
0: Hey, Chris. You know, I progressives suck.
1: Why Paris? I don't
0: know. Like progressive ideas, like gave women the right to vote. Like now I got to be responsible. I got to fucking figure shit out and read and, you know, do civics. I got to go vote, you know, now like, I don't know. I can only work like five days a week. It's really hard to work seven days a week, you know, benefits. You know, I got to make choices, I could, just, I could just go in the street and die. And now I got to make choices about health care <laughs> and vacation time. I had to you know, think about where I'm going to go. I, I mean, mean, you the know. Real mon- s-
1: Paris, if you really think about it, the real monsters <laughs> are your parents for giving you this mortal coil to begin with.
0: That's true. But now, I mean, like, progressives, I mean, I could have been earning money from the age of seven, but instead I had to not work until I, well, I technically actually... <laughs> I actually did have a job as a child, so maybe that's not a good example. It was illegal. Um, But <laughs> point being, you know, you can thank progressives for the fact that your seven-year-old isn't fucking developing a lung condition because they're sweeping out chimneys or eating actual poison in their candy because of regulations that progressive ideas pushed. They're stifling
1: whole- my business. I was just <laughs> filling the candy with delicious bleach filler. <laughs> It was working fine. I was making money, and my you were kids eating the, candy. <laughs> yeah. the kids liked it until they were dead. You yeah. know, it was
0: good up until the last drop. <laughs> but no, they, just the the concept that any progressive, i.e., I don't know, different, like forward thinking idea, someone I mean, who's
1: advocating that uh, hey, maybe we could do a little better ab- about this. Yeah, Let's, like can we try why, something different.
0: Why is it so? Yeah. So anyway. If you like uh, a lot of modern day uh, laws and comforts, you can thank those evil progressives.
1: All right, Paris. Uh, can we fix it? No. No. Just throw yeah, the whole thing yeah, out. Yeah, actually.
0: No, I mean, because like, look, I'm not going to sit here and say like, you can never, you know, pe- people are going to have conservative views. People are going to not like, you know, my ideas about history, and culture, sure. But I think we can all get on board with the fact that, like, this could have been better fact-checked, right? Even if it did have a conservative leaning, it could have had the facts checked. It could have had citations um, and examples, you know, showing what they were talking about, you know, when saying things like, our society is being ruined, shadow government. It's like, you know, man... At least, you know, people At least show
1: me one shadow bureaucrat.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just need an example. So, again, I can't really engage with your idea if you're not showing me, if you're just telling me it doesn't really work. Um, I mean, and again, like, hire actual U.S. historians if you're writing a report about U.S. history. I mean, there have to at least be a few on there. And like Chris said at the top of the show... There are plenty of conservative U.S. historians. I mean, you could have found somebody that at least shared some of your views, right? Um, you, know, I, you know, maybe just don't try to squeeze hundreds of years of history into 20 pages. I think this commission would have been better served um, if they would have just critiqued the things in the 1619 project that they took issue with, like things that weren't accurate or that they didn't like the framing of. At least then it would have been pointed. It would have... Um, made sense for it to be 20 pages, you know? Uh and they could have provided I don't know, it just it just would have made more sense. If this was a a, a petty you know, revenge spite report, like just address <laughs> the things that you're mad about in the thing you're mad about. Don't just make this whole other separate thing off in fucking conservative fantasy land where there's no fact checking and no, you know, shit taken out of context everywhere. It's just it's just really Really could have been structured differently, and at least would have been serviceable as a written document. <laughs> so yeah. that's my really generous some take. tips for
1: you guys next. Try again, try next time. Okay, um, that that's that right. So here's the end of the show stuff. Um, and we should start with a thank you to the patrons. We hit a milestone recently.
0: We
1: did, and that milestone is that we're now pulling in a hundred dollars a month on Patreon. Big money! Da, da. It's the twenty-three
0: the project. We now <laughs> have twenty-three patrons.
1: <laughs> thank you, but seriously, sincerely, thank you. Getting into the triple digits like that, um, we almost we really kind of didn't expect to begin with to ever happen. Um, and with that comes the the promise that we made way back when that. Patrons that have been with us at this level will receive something. We're we're still kind of ironing that out. We're, we're yeah, getting we're so um to
0: we're waiting for new art. Um, and then once we have that art, we're gonna put it on something that we'll send to each of you. Um, ideally, it's something that's small or light. Uh, so we're thinking like a t shirt, a phone holder thing, maybe pencils. I don't know something that's reasonably mailable. Um, if you have an idea for an item that you feel particularly strongly about, let us know. Um, you can message us directly or send us an email. Um, also, if you are a current patron, make sure we have your address. We can't mail you fun-free stuff if we don't know where you live. So please, please make sure we have your address. Um, thank you. Thank you to our patrons. Oh, it's a long list. It's getting longer. All right. <clears throat> thank you, Dari. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Veronica. Will D. Jared. Lynn. Sinya Yakub, Bobby Black Cat. Jensina, Mayo Cat. Elliot, Kieran, Martin J, Scott, Lucek, C. Tap One, Miri, and our newest patrons, Junka or Yunka not quite sure how to say that. Jay, let me know if that's right. Uh, Robert Allen Cook the Third.
1: Oh, distinguished.
0: Fancy. And David,
1: thank you. <laughs> oh, sorry, David. After Robert <laughs> Allen Cook the sorry. Third, it's a little less good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I, I probably should have. I put them in order of when they signed up. David's just the most recent. I probably should have, yeah, probably should have reordered that. Anyway, uh, Janka, Janka, Robert L. Cook III, and David, thank you so much for providing us with this the showering of new patronage. It's wonderful. I know. Um, you know, pushed us over the, uh, over the mark. Oh, yeah, I also want to ch- shank Wow.
1: Who do you want to shank, Harris? Jeez! <laughs> I,
0: I was, this happens with my mouth and my brain. There's like a disconnect sometimes where I switch the beginnings of two words that I want to say in succession. I don't know what that's called, but there's probably something broken in my mind. Um, I was trying to say, I'd like to thank Luchek, And then I just said, or <laughs> shank or uh, shank. Thank patron Luchek for uh, actually upping his patronage. So thank you. Good sir. Much appreciated.
1: That's what um, you get when you up your patronage a shanking, from, uh,
0: <laughs> a verbal shanking because my mind broke. Sorry, but no, really. Thanks, thanks to all of you. Um, if you also want to help support the show, you can subscribe on YouTube. You literally click the button one time, you've done the thing. Uh, or you can donate one five I or thought $10 you were gonna to say, me. like,
1: you dumb, like.
0: <laughs> no, no. Um, you can donate some money to us on Patreon. If you donate $5 a month or more, you get access to a bunch of bonus content. So that's like videos of us, um, outtakes and other random audio visual weirdness. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Goodreads if you are on those platforms. Uh, most importantly, though, if you could share the show on social media or tell someone about it, that'd be really cool. You could also write a review for us; also nice. Um, we've gotten some more reviews lately, and um, we'd like to get more of them so we can read them on the show to properly thank you. Oh,
1: so, actually, thanks. why don't you can also email us? We like your emails, and there was one really good email that we got. Do you was remember there? the good email with the oh, orange cat? Oh my god, cat? the
0: cat! The cat email. Who was? Uh, are we allowed to say who they were?
1: Um, let's let's save that. I don't know. Like they want a special shout out. Maybe we'll say it again, but someone sent us a very lovely email talking mm-hmm. about how much they love the show. And they added pictures of their orange cat.
0: Oh man, that was great. I think that that might be the best patron or not patron, the best fan email we've ever gotten or a message. Yes. Yes. It was awesome. Really appreciated the cat. Um, I also feel like we got that on a day where I was like, not feeling super hot. So I was like, this is awesome. This is really nice. They were super great. Um, I think they said something about how they were like saving up the back catalog because they didn't want to run out of episodes. And I was like, oh, my God, I know how that feels when, I mean, sh- with shows that I love. Just ah. to be
1: fair, like it gets worse the more backwards you go. So, yeah. Like, early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: No. Right around. <laughs> Remember how I said that, like, I've changed a lot yeah. in the last few years that actually. You can uh, hear it. Um, might I, yeah. <laughs> you can be there in you real time can. as I fuck up and say really dumb shit like six years ago um but anyway yeah thanks so much for that email uh pro tip if you send us fan mail definitely send pictures of pets fun yes super fun We love animals
1: yes they're all great they're Mm -hmm. all like whatever kind of pet you have that you are treating nicely and they have you have very nice beautiful photos of i would like to see them
0: yeah also like i don't know photos of creative projects you know i don't know maybe you listen to us while you knit show us your knitting Show us your fun stuff. We It, it makes us feel pretty good. Whew, thanks for sitting with us through this. I know this was kind of just a... You know, believe it or not, I actually have structured notes and did hours of reading to prepare for this episode, and I just still feel like I failed. I don't know. It's just, again, we're not historians. It's hard.
1: <laughs> I was stoned and full of Mon me this whole episode, so, you know, different ways of approaching things. <laughs>
0: The 1776 commission report. So bad. Chris had to eat Vietnamese food until he was immobile and then get really high.
1: <laughs> no, that was before. I did it before. And then. Oh. Weed makes food taste better. I don't know if you knew that, Paris.
0: No, I actually don't. I mean, weed makes me nauseous. So I don't think I'll ever experience that, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> nah, 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 nah.
0: <laughs> yeah, sorry. Two this
1: different lived experiences
0: yeah it's almost like not everything is the same for every person okay really interesting there you idea. go there's
1: the little knot on top of this present that we give to you listeners mm. so enjoy your gift we've got more for you coming in two weeks because that's how this works so until then once you got something to say Paris
0: uh yeah I remember how I was talking about emailing us I kind of forgot to tell you our email it is terriblebookclub at gmail.com
1: yeah that's where you can send those pet texts
0: Send your pets.
1: All right, Paris, with that, see you next time. Bye.
0: Bye.